If the footy gods really do exist, we must have done something to get right in their bad books one week after the grand final heartbreak. Just as we're starting to come out of the case we'd all been recovering in, we had to see the women lose a game to Collingwood by less than a goal as well. It can be a cruel, cold universe sometimes, but it's not all bad news. The women still sit in the top four with a Q clash approaching. While things haven't slowed down at all on the men's front, Dev has re-signed. Tom Duday is here as well. Harris Andrews has won his first ever Merritt Murray medal. There's a couple of big coaching changes to talk through, and we got the full story of how we got a photo with 2023 Raw Deal medalist Joe Danaher at last week's Best and Fairest Dinner too. Uh, all that and plenty more on the way. It is Dom Faye and Mike Whiting here as always, sitting down to record the podcast for the first time since the Docklands Apartment episode the morning after the grand final. So, as I welcome you today, Mike, it feels appropriate to to begin with the question: How are you, how are you doing with your recovery from uh, from the thirtieth of September? I'm good, Dom. It's the first time we've been in studio on a Monday for a long, long time because yeah. we were doing yep. emergency pods post finals. It's been a long time since I've walked up the hill here to your place on a Monday afternoon. So good to be back in the studio with some plenty of new additions, which yes. we'll get to later on. Yes. Dom's really, <laughs> it's looking like a studio. It's really decked well, out. So Look, I'll put it this way, Mike. So a couple of things have been to thank for the the additions. Some of them were 30th birthday presents, which, are, you know, people know I love the Lions. Gave me Lions gear. Let's decorate it. But there are also some other thoughts, which is when you get that close to a premiership and you just miss out, you got to do something different to get that extra few percent the next year. And Maybe it is the new Raw Deal metal whiteboard that we have there, which we'll be updating the tally on as we go, uh, which actually I will mention it has the um, the six. I had to go do some research to find the sixth Raw Deal medalists, Mike, but uh, it was Dane Beams back in 2018, the inaugural winner, um, and the Raw Deal medal was- I still remember that the, night. Oh, yes. Vivid, that was the night he said, I'm not going anywhere. I love yous blokes or something. Yeah. <laughs> Only to leave a few weeks later. But, um, but obviously some of- suggested the Raw Deal medal was behind that whole drama. And we just want to stay right out of all of that. Um, it certainly didn't help. Look, I'm not going to blame the club, but they didn't give us a great medal to hand over that night. No, Maybe no, it was a bit no. salty on that. It looked like <laughs> it looked like it was about $3 from, the, mm. from a $2 shop, yeah. which I know makes no sense, but... Well, look, it was Dane Beams, then Lockie won it in 19 and 20, Hugh McCluggage in 2021, Lockie last year, and then Joe this year with the most impressive-looking Raw Deal medal so far. Um, the next one, by the way, the uh, what do you call someone who makes medals? Are they uh, What's the, the term for that? Uh, Smelter? Is that a thing? Oh, I don't know. Metal? Anyway, We're going to go sure. down a path. That <laughs> it's the <laughs> off-season for, for the men now, Mike. We can do that. We'll talk women in a moment, but the men's, we can have some tangents now. Uh, but the 2024 Royal Deal Medal is currently uh, being made. It's in the production line, so we'll have that shortly. Um, you know, I've been thinking about the grand final. Um, not I've only watched it back. Had the whole thing? I have. And what were your thoughts when you did that? I actually, Brisbane, not that I thought Brisbane were a mile off it, obviously, we've, we've discussed that, but they were maybe even closer than I thought, just in terms of uh, flow of the game. I remember walking away, and I don't know if I articulated this last on our last episode or not, but I thought, yeah, Collingwood was better. I, mm. I can actually reconcile that. I thought they were better. Yes, Brisbane had chances late, all the rest of it, but... When I watched it back, I thought other than the first 10 to 15 minutes or maybe the yeah first 10 or 15 minutes where it was your man Zach Bailey's miracle goals that sort of just kept Brisbane in touch yeah, where yeah. they were outplayed in that quarter or for a chunk of that first quarter, I thought the rest of the way Brisbane matched Collingwood stride for stride and 
Yeah, I just thought they were a bit closer when I watched the replay than I thought, and I really I don't want to hear I, that. I appreciated Mike. <laughs> what I nice. from Collingwood. What I really appreciated from Collingwood was their ball movement, actually, yeah. which I didn't quite pinpoint when I was watching the match live. Like they moved the ball very, very crisply on occasions there, and kept Brisbane's. I was like. You know, just why did Darcy Wilmot and Connor McKenna, why did they not get involved and why did Harris not, couldn't he affect the game more in the first half? I actually give a lot of credit to Collingwood's ball movement. So that was a couple of little tiny takeaways. Yeah, I mean, uh, it doesn't help any of our No, wins. no, no. I'm not, sorry, I, I wasn't here to help you. I was here to give my honest feedback after yeah. watching it back. Well, look, I've, I reckon I've thought about the game probably in depth four or five times every hour um, yeah. since last Saturday. And... <laughs> No, I'll, I'll say this. In all sincerity, I've actually been a little bit surprised that it hasn't hurt as much as I thought it would. And I think part of that is because there is still something so surreal about the whole experience. Mm. From, from the fact of years of longing and hoping and wondering to see Brisbane in a grand final, to have that day actually happen. It's one of those weird days when like, um, I don't know, there's, there's certain things that you build up in your mind so much for so many years that then when they just fall within an ordinary day in your life, it kind of feels a bit disorienting, like it doesn't quite fit. Yeah. And and so I think there's been this whole, I, I, I mean, I guess, what do they say the first stage of grief is? Denial? I think maybe that's where I am, Yeah, Mike. but also I think of, you know, you you hear the saying about meeting your heroes mm, yes. and how sometimes it can be deflating or not live up to what you'd hoped and yeah. maybe that's a bit of that. Yes. Yeah, it, it, does feel a, it does feel a little surreal i mean it's a we're, we're beyond a week past the match now and we're already into trades and free agency and mm. right into the teeth of the women's competition but yeah it's something i reckon a lot of people including myself had envisaged for a while what's it going to be like walking into a hundred thousand at the g on grand final day with brisbane running out there and yeah although that was about as it's, it's about as heartbreaking a loss as you can get in a grand final it's certainly right up there mm. uh yeah i'm with you like it doesn't feel like this <laughs> People are going to scream. They're probably going to turn this <laughs> off, but it doesn't feel like this big gut punch as I yeah. thought it would. And it's yes, so disappointing. Yes. I don't know how to ration it either. But, but I didn't think I'd be able, like, quite seriously, Mike, for most of my diehard footy supporting life, if you told me we'll lose a grand final of Collingwood by under a goal, I, I would have said to you, I don't think I'll come back from that. Yeah. I reckon Do that's, you reckon it, that's is it, too much of a blow. This might sound a bit cheesy, but is yeah. it a little more the pride in the performance as much as um, anything? I felt like Brisbane hung in and hung in and hung in and they did a lot of things really well. You're not yeah. walking away from there with a lot of question marks. You're not walking away going, yeah, okay, you're walking away saying, what if mm. Lockie Neal got that free kick or what if uh, Danaher, Hipwood or Coleman kicked one of those goals? There's a couple of what ifs obviously in any game that's decided by four points. But you're not walking away going, God, there was eight guys that played terribly and all those terrible turnovers. And I would feel that there's a bit of a pride in the way Brisbane performed yeah, yeah. on the biggest day of the season. Look, I think there's an element of that to it. I, I do genuinely think there's an element of um, quite seriously of denial about it. But I yep. think I think in the weeks and months ahead, maybe it will be a really slow motion gut punch <laughs> yeah. as I, it settles I, in. You're probably right. There's a chance of that. Um, I think that that's fair odds. Um, I think another part about it, though, is is I was thinking about this. Collingwood 
don't quite have the same aura of some of the great teams who've won flags in recent years. And so, in a sense, because... You're you going know, down Stephen May areas here. <laughs> yeah, I know, I'm aware <laughs> of that. No, but there's just an element. They've had a phenomenal season and, and obviously we all saw that. But um, when every year there's been this... You, you think about Richmond in their run. If you'd fallen short to Richmond by four points in a grand final in 2020, for example, I feel like, in a sense, it would have fe- felt like we'd made it, we'd you know, gone up to the champions and just lost. Mm. Whereas Collingwood were trying to prove their credentials a little bit as well there. So maybe that's a part about it. But I mean, the the most um, philosophical I can be about it, Mike, is it just, it just didn't in some profound way, it just didn't quite feel like our time. And, uh, and with that comes a, a weird sense of assuredness I've had ever since that our time is coming. Uh, and I mean, you predicted it on the last episode that it'll <laughs> yeah. be next year, a strong win over Melbourne. I'm um, just claiming that, Mike, because we'll I'll play that it. back next, yeah. next year if it happens. But <laughs> Um, I think there's an element in, in which it just it feels a little bit like the penultimate moment of a film when mm. you sort of, you know, the, the main character seems like they're going to lose the battle, but you know there's still 40 minutes left in the film. And so you're mm. kind of sitting there going, I, clearly this isn't how it actually ends. And I think I feel a bit like that about the whole Brisbane thing. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe these things get more sour over the years, but um, I, reckon, I reckon 10-year-old Dom took the 2004 grand final loss worse than 30-year-old Dom's taking the 2023 one if the first week's anything to go by. Yeah, and it will be interesting come early next season, I think. You start seeing maybe – is it in the lead-up to – into the lead up into round one or maybe during mm. the preseason, you'll see like a, a Collingwood episode on Fox footy recounting the premiership and talking to yes. players about behind the scenes stuff. And then Brisbane loses its first game of the next season and it's, will they get back to the grand final? And then you start really reliving what went wrong and mm. maybe then the gut punch comes. But also the fact that there's, we don't know how next year will unfold as we discussed last week, but it doesn't look like there's going to be a big drop off. It feels no. like Brisbane's going to be, in there punching again next season and beyond. Yeah. Looking yeah. for that premiership. And I think also one thing we did learn, and gosh, this is going to sound cheesy, Mike. It's like a moral at the end of a kid's TV episode. But um, I was going to say, one thing I think we did all learn is is that you aren't in footy for that one moment. You're in footy for the journey all the way through. And, uh, and I think we all had a real sense in grand final week of enjoying and embracing the journey that we have all been on together as Lions fans for a while now. And, um, and it, in a sense, it kind of means there's, there's this one, you know, one thing left on the table to now strive for. Now it's all in on – previously it was all in on getting to the finals, then all in on making the grand final. Now there's only – there is only one thing left. And so it, it feels right to, to have everything else cleared away. Brisbane can play well at the MCG. That hoodoo's gone. Mm. I mean, there is the hoodoo of me going to games in Melbourne and I have a plan for that. We'll talk about that later, Mike. I'm, I, did, I have seen your angry tweets, Victorian fans. I apologise. We'll get to that. But it, it does feel like everything else is done now. Every other box is ticked. Now it's time to to take it home. And so uh, that's what next year is going to be. And I look forward to that. Um, I'm curious to ask you, just before we, we jump into all of the off-field stuff and the Merritt Murray medal and the women's, for you've been. Uh, I know that the club's all pretty much on break now. All the players are away. But you've been a little bit around the club in the aftermath, um, obviously at the Merritt Murray Medal, um, notably. But you've, I'm sure you've had a couple of other conversations here and there. What's your takeaway of how the 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 group has taken the grand final loss? Has it been different to what you expected, or or largely what you expected? No, largely what I expected. It's been a continuation of the conversation we had last week about how they felt post match. I feel like they feel 
they just weren't quite good enough. And I know that's a probably an obvious statement, but there was an acceptance that, okay, while we performed well, mm. we weren't good enough. That's how I think that's how the club feels and that they've got to improve. And obviously that's what they're trying to do over this period in terms of list. It's what they'll try and do over the preseason in terms of their development as players and athletes. And then clearly it's what they'll try and do next season in terms of their team performance. So I, I feel there's – you can't say it's, it's an acceptance mm. of being a runner-up, but uh, maybe an acceptance that – it maybe in the words that you used, Dom, they're probably right. It wasn't – whether it wasn't quite their time or they just weren't quite up to, to it this time. Mm. And, yeah, there's certainly – yeah, that's I would say that's about the best way I can summarise it. It, it. Look, I think another – element as to why it maybe hasn't stung as much is the bizarreness of the Broncos result the next night and what happened to this city. I mean, if I was a diehard Broncos fan, I don't know how I could stomach that one. I I just think this is a group who had grand final heartbreak in 2015, Mm. but to be, to be, what was it? 14 points up? 16. 16 16 points up, Mm. 20 minutes to go in a grand final in the hour. And running right. It just, it, that, that's, that's a, an enormous gut punch. So I don't know. Look, I. I've been trying to think about it in terms of, Mm. An AFL comparison in the AFL, it'd be it'd be like a six goal lead at three quarter time, wouldn't it? Yeah, probably. Or thereabouts. Yep, yep. Early in the fourth, yeah, probably. Yep. Yeah. Five, five to six goals, and you think, well, okay, technically we're not quite home here, but mm. really a lot has to go wrong. Yeah. And I, look, I've got no real interest in rugby league. I will say this: I flew back from Melbourne from the grand final on the Sunday night. And my flight was taking off and I quickly checked my phone and the Broncos were up 20, what was it, 24 to 8, something yeah, like that. Yep, yep. And I thought, gosh, there's a shock result. They've just stormed They ran right. And I think it was after the 60-minute mark. I was yep. like, this is incredible. Brisbane, the town will be going off. Yep. I land two hours later at Brisbane Airport, open my phone to read a match report, go to the NRL website, and there's like pictures of the Panthers celebrating. <laughs> and I, I sort of was like, my brain couldn't quite compute for a moment. I'm like, yeah. what the hell? How did yep. that happen? So, Am I awake? <laughs> yeah. But, but look, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan, Mike, of uh, romantic comedy films. I'm a big fan of films where everything works out in the end. Hallmark Christmas movies, all these sorts of things. I think life follows that kind of a narrative, you know, just sometimes, just enough of the time. And, and I think next year, uh, you know, we're going to hold the cup up. Will Ashcroft's going to be there and, uh, and it's all going to be, it's all going to be so sweet. So we'll look forward to that. Um, we got, uh, as I said, plenty to talk through, uh, from the men's off season, uh, season shortly. I do want to just, um, start with the AFLW though, because the attention has moved there and, and it kind of was, um, it did feel cruel to have to see Brisbane play Collingwood again. Now, I've only seen the the mini of this game because I was actually at my 30th birthday party. Yeah, you, Saturday you night. otherwise engaged. <laughs> yes, which I, Mike Whiting was a late apology for I having was. to cover the game. But um, I did a comedy roast for my 30th where my loved ones roasted me and, um, and all bar one of them were wise enough to stay away from the grand final as a topic. <laughs> So who who went there? I was Scotty, the uh, the MC of the night. <laughs> now you can joke about you can joke about any other part of my life you want. Nothing else was off limits, but you can't talk about. If it you've watched some of Dom's social media, you'll yeah. know nothing's off limits, right? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Mum had a she had a good dig. Mum had a good dig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was very good fun. So, um, so I, I've seen um, the game back, and and it it honestly, it, I wonder psychologically. I think the AFL should have stepped in and called this off <laughs> because that's just not okay to do to Lions fans. A week on, we, we're just starting to come to terms with it. It was a chance for yes. to bury those demons, Dom. Just a little bit of help, a little bit of a balm. And instead, instead, it's like 
like to to re-traumatize you in the exact same place you just had it happen. It's outrageous, Mike. I, I must say, once that song started ringing around post siren, <laughs> even I was getting the shit. <laughs> it's like, are you serious? Do we really have to hear this again? Oh, <laughs> uh, just outrageous. But I mean, look, the 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 women are putting together a pretty good season. It does look like Adelaide North and the Demons are the the three to beat um, at this juncture, with Brisbane maybe just behind them um, mm. at, at this current moment. What are you making? Because we're about the halfway mark of the season now. We, we are. are we're six. We're six rounds in out of ten. So yep. it. it Rattles along pretty quickly. So, what are you making of the season? I, I really liked what Craig Starsevich said after the match on Saturday night. So, Brisbane blew that on Saturday night. Mm. They bunch of chances, most they. metrics, and they were they were simple chances. Dom, yeah. Um, um, anyone that's watched it will know. I don't need to go and name them here. I, know, <laughs> I named a couple in the match report, but that's just there for people to see. Like there was some really simple goal kicking opportunities, and it just felt like. Brisbane should be a lot further in front. They had a 16, I think it was a, actually, I think the score was 24 to 8 at halftime. <laughs> <laughs> they did lead by 16 points at halftime. What half is time. going on? <laughs> what is going on, Brisbane? And then, like, Collingwood came, but Brisbane steady. They just couldn't put them away. The goal kicking was horrendous. They were easy chances missed. So, but I did like that Craig Starsevich sort of said it. And I don't think he was just playing underdog card here. He was saying there is like a little gap to that top echelon mm. and I think he's really referencing those three teams particularly the Adelaide and, and Melbourne and then there's a little gap to Brisbane so he said I think in terms of Brisbane our goal should be to make finals first and foremost and I think he said I think we'll be fine in time but I think it was just a let's lower the expectations a fraction yeah and you can just see this year there's there's not as much like wiggle room as previous years where it Brisbane would just blew teams off the park and the only real challenges would be when they came up against probably Adelaide or Melbourne, to be honest. Mm. Every most other teams they blew out of the blew out of the, uh, blew off the park. Whereas this year, they've lost to Richmond. They were I mean, there was a great win against North Melbourne. They were, they've been beaten by Collingwood here. Um Gold Coast coming out this weekend. I expect them to beat Gold Coast, but Gold Coast are a bit more feisty this year. So they're they're just in that second tier of teams now probably not that top echelon so mm. i liked what he said i felt it was realistic and yeah you can just see there's just little bits of pieces missing here and there there's four or five new faces this year a couple of changes last week which were which um, a couple of the girls mm. bought upon themselves so yeah it's just an interesting it's a it's a good challenge i reckon for brisbane they I reckon they've sort of been sailing along for oh, three seasons they've barely lost a game uh, like they were premiers, they lost in a prelim and they lost in a grand final. They've barely lost a game in three seasons and they're being challenged now. Yeah, definitely. Um, question about the about Ali Anderson in particular. She's obviously the reigning best and mm. fairest of the competition. Is she almost at a new level this year though? I mean, she's um, she's been pretty strong. Certainly her numbers are really strong. Yeah. And, and it's almost it almost feels like uh, it's probably the absence of Emily Bates that's helped her step up a little bit. But she's maybe, had more yeah, on her. She's a better... She's certainly a better athlete, which is, which I love about Ali. She's twenty nine, I think she is now. So she's not old by any stretch, but she, 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 she was twenty three, I guess that makes her when the competition started. Twenty two, twenty three, and I really love the, uh, the hard work and the pig headedness almost to make herself the best footballer she can be, and she's got better every year in terms of her athleticism and her skills as well. We know she won the. 
She was the best and fairest in the competition last year. She is certainly getting more of the ball this year. Uh, I think she'll be disappointed in a couple of her disposals on the weekend, including she she was one of the guilty parties with the set shots at goal. But she's having another terrific season. She's probably got a little bit more attention on her this year as well. So I'm looking forward to this weekend. This will be a great test for Ali. I just wonder whether Gold Coast Gold Coast has got a very good run with slash tagging player uh, Lucy Single, who's sort of emerged this year. And I'll be interested to see whether the Suns send her to Ali and and how Ali handles that because she has had Emily alongside her quite a bit and Emily's Bates is often the one that copped those tags in previous years. So I think Ali has got a little bit better, Mm. but I think this will be another great challenge for her on the weekend. Well, it's going to be a big Q clash, as you've already mentioned there, Mike, and um, obviously both both sides fighting it out to get mm. into that top four uh, with, as you mentioned, I mean, we, we the season wraps up so quickly in the AFLW yeah. that, um, you know, we're all just still wiping away our grand final tears and suddenly you might have another one to look forward to uh, in the not-too-distant future. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Merritt-Murray medal that took place last Wednesday night um, at the Brisbane Convention and Exhibition Centre. Uh, it was a well, – it seemed to me, and I'm curious for your thoughts on this like we, we were both there we'll talk about joe in a moment our wonderful moment with joe but it felt like an odd vibe in the room to me i've been to a bunch of these over the years now i think um 2013 is is my absolute um leader clubhouse leader by a long way for the weirdest vibe oh. in a room <laughs> yeah. i remember that so vividly i think angus johnson made his speech and that uh, he was still president i think chairman just at that point um i know i uh, a lot of the, the go home five didn't show up elliot yo did yeah. I went and had a chat with Yoey at that point, who, who I think we'd had on the the fan cast as it was mm. back then, and and I said, "So are you sticking around?" And he went, "Ah," <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, "Oh dear, that's not a good sign, is it?" Um, and now I'm not saying it was a vibe like that at all, but previous years there has been a a, a probably pretty much since 2018, I think there's been an optimism in the room, even with finals losses, a sense that it's all coming, we're all about to get there. Yep. That 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 sense of joy and optimism wasn't quite in the room. Do you feel it, it felt a little more? Let's tick the box and move on. Yeah, and it was yeah, it was yep, almost yep. too close to the season. I think. Yes. To get that sort of vibe, I yeah. I understand why the club put it. What four nights after the grand final? Mm. You've got to book that. Like I understand why they did that. They played in the grand final. These guys need to have a break. Like they need to get on their holidays. And the quicker we can do that, the better. They'll have exit interviews and reviews Tuesday, Wednesday, BNF Wednesday night. Bang, they're on planes on Thursday or or back with their families Thursday. So that, that's not a crack at the club for doing that. I think it's a smart thing, but it is very close to the season. Yes. They play Saturday night. There's a function Saturday night down in Melbourne. There's a function Sunday in Melbourne at Brunswick Street Oval. They come back, do another one at Brighton Homes Arena on Monday. Then they have their their mad Monday or whatever you want to call it, whatever the PC term for that is now. That's on Tuesday. Then they're doing – they come into the club on Wednesday to – sit back through some of that grand final. They do a bit of a review on that, have some exit interviews, and then they've got their best and fairest. It does feel very crunched and so close, and I I, I can understand why there wasn't that sort of like uplifting, mm. joyous, so I get where you're coming from. It did feel a little bit routine. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a really good way to put it. Almost like, you know, even Harris, who won the, yep. the thing, would have just skipped it if he could. Just yeah. and I think there was a talking to a few of the players on the night. The word I'd give was almost an impatience to to get the season going. Yeah, again. let's get going. Like yep. there was a, there was an element in there we're done of with like, that. yeah, we're yeah. done with that. And do we have to do the summer? Can we just I just yeah. jump us straight to round seventeen onwards next year? 
and and let's do this thing. Or oh, boys, I'll see you at White's Hill in the uh, in your <laughs> off season. If you want to start running a bit better, you know. You can, uh... <laughs> well, there's a few there who I reckon could use Mike Whiting as a companion for a while, just to get them to elite running. See you level, at White's. So. <laughs> Will be fascinating to see. I mean, this is the group we remember early on in, in Chris Fagan's era that. Jared Berry was one who would lead running groups, mm. you know, opt-in running groups over the the, the summer. Um, you would think if that sort of attitude's still in the group, n- now more than ever would be the the time to be bringing it out, to getting every last ounce out of yourself. Um, I did have a bunch of great chats while I was there, Mike, and I tried to tee up some podcasts. I've got some good news there. So uh, Andrew Wellington, happy to join us, he said. Um, he said, we'll just set it up. Now, he did say... He's like, I'll put the listeners to sleep though, Dom. I don't know you if you want me on. And I said, no, no, no. We'd love to hear from you. Love to hear from you. So we'll try to get him in at some stage. Um, I thought it'd be great to get Dan Rich on when he 100%. comes back from a trip and just sort of do an, a, a reflection on Richie's career. Because as I was listening to his speech at the the Best and Fairest, I was reflecting on a whole heap of Richie memories. And mm. um, weirdly, the one that came to mind, I think it was the last home and away game of 2012 against the Bulldogs at the Gabba. I remember this really vividly. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. 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 And he had a great game on the whole, but there's one particular pass onto the chest of Jonathan Brown Brown that's just one of the best kicks I've probably Mm. seen in in my time following footy. So I think we are in all the grief of this season and the the grand final loss. The loss of Richie is one that I don't think I've quite processed yet. So it'd be great to get Richie on in his game. So we'll we'll look at that. And um, and what's something we've done on the podcast this year, Mike? is throw ideas out there into the public realm before we have any of the legwork done <laughs> and just hope that that gets the ball rolling. So let's do that again now. And if it doesn't, well, well who cares? Who cares? <laughs> That's it. Well, I spoke to Chris Fagan about the possibility of doing a live podcast with him. So I love that you're just racing up to Fag. Now, look, yep. <laughs> I love Fags and I love most of the people at the club, to be honest. Yeah. By the time it comes down to best and fairest, yep. I reckon they've had enough of me and I've probably had enough of them. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's like, let's get this done yeah. and let's crack on. <laughs> well, you know me, Mike. I, I shoot my shot. I have my go when, I, when it's it, in front of me. And so I said, I was like, if we sold, you know, a few tickets and we did it, uh, we need to find a, probably a performance hall or something that would be a great spot to have a, a live podcast audience here. This sounds very similar to what we did for the watch parties. Yes. Yeah. Anyone's listening. <laughs> if you have a hall. Lo and behold. <laughs> Maybe like uh, I was thinking, my first thought was like the Princess Theatre in Wollongabba, somewhere like that. Get a few hundred Lions fans along and talk to Fags. Either we, you could do it next month as a 2023 review or early next year as a 2024 um, preview, which might make a bit more sense at that juncture. But um, if that's something, you know, maybe we could do it, $15, $20 tickets, um, any profits will go back to the club, to the academy, things like that. If that's something that you would be keen to come along to, uh, shoot us a text, a tweet, sorry, send us a message. Text. text yeah, well, maybe we can give our numbers the out. Dom, Dom will put his number out there. <laughs> but, you know, shoot us a tweet um, or an X, uh, put something up on, on Patreon if you're one of our Patreon supporters. If there's a desire for, for that sort of an event in Brizzy, now, look, maybe – Maybe the success of our events in Grand Final Week in Melbourne's gone to my head, Mike. And people go, <laughs> "No, nah, I don't want to go out and leave home for that." Fair enough. But if you'd be interested in like an in-depth, you know, forty-five-ish minute chat with Chris Fagan through the club, the list, the strategy, these sorts of things, as a live podcast, um, yeah, shoot us a message and let us know, and we'll see if we can we can put that to him. If the people power can get him across mm. the line, the the reason I'm leaning, Mike, to to preseason next year, not postseason this year, 
is it lets the dust settle a little oh, bit. Oh, I agree. The I only think, thing I, is, I like that way better too. We have chatted many times about how postseason Chris Fagan is a warmer guy than preseason well, Chris Fagan. The only time that the preseason Chris Fagan gets a bit to is literally gut is literally the week of round that, one. Yeah, that's true. So Anything prior that. to the week of round one, we're good. Okay, cool. it's happy phase. We'll do it maybe late Feb then. Yeah. Late Feb, early yep. March. Let's look at that then. Um, uh, JL and Andrew Crowell both said, "Get us on the podcast." So was, well, I think we got a we got a list of guests to do there and um, some. Special yep. edition episodes coming up in the next few months as well. So look forward to them. Um, the big talking point from the night, though, Mike, was the moment we did get um, with Joe Danaher. Now, uh, I've just recounted those chats. So I'll get you to tell the story of the uh, the okay. Joe Danaher encounter as we presented him with the uh, the Raw Deal medal. When we call it an encounter, yep. I'd call it more of an ambush. That's yeah, the way that's, I'd. That's, that's, fair. that's the way I'd. So. <laughs> We met each other in the foyer yep. or we came across each other in the foyer with mm. the rough plan of let's try and get Joe before the, before the yep. formalities begin. Get in, get out. So get we were chatting away and I was chatting with Sarah Owens who was a, the former uh, head of com- communications at the club who's now mm. on maternity leave. So I was chatting to Sarah and I was just telling her actually, oh, we're going to try and get Joe. He won our raw deal medal. And she goes, oh, there he is. We looked around and there he is. And yep. before either of us had a chance to blink, I was like, righto, Dom, let's go get him now. Let's do it now. He was about three metres away. I reckon we walked over to him. Yep. Before I'd even put my hand out to shake his hand, Dom was halfway through his spiel, I reckon. <laughs> well, actually, Holding the medal out. <laughs> there was a beautiful moment where he said, Dom Fang, Mike Whiting, <laughs> yes, in so the flesh. <laughs> oh, my gosh, guys, I love fortune telling. And we said, oh, Joe, Joe, stop. You're making us embarrassed. But once we'd cleared all of that stuff out, I think I said, you are the Raw Deal medalist for 2023. And um, if he was confused, he didn't show it. He no, sort of he was. Rolled with the punches. He rolled with it very well, I've got to say. Yeah, yeah. And said, thank so, you so it was much. surprisingly smooth. Very smooth, yeah. my Joe. And uh, we got our photo with him and. Um, and then he just started walking away. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he was very smooth through the whole process until yeah. he literally started turning his back yes. on us and just cruising off into the distance. I, and and the, the, conversation Joe, was, Joe. <laughs> the conversation was still happening. We were still talking with him. We'd been talking with him for only about 20 or 30 seconds. Yeah. And it was like um, like he was almost fading. Yeah. It just like faded it off was. into the distance. And then next thing you know, he's gone. And I, I mean, uh, I'll say he's got this incredible X factor, this skill on the field. His skill for ghosting somebody oh. at a function, just the best. I know. He's, I wish I had it, Mike. Just a six foot eight guy. You'd think <laughs> yes. surely you can't lose. He just faded off into the distance yeah. before we'd had a chance to fire out a third question, <laughs> I, I reckon. <laughs> and suddenly like it's almost like he'd organised a crowd to like come between us and him and <laughs> just shuffle him away. And then we thought, well, we got our moment. We got we, our photo we with got Joe. Our photo, so, and he got his medal. He got his medal. And who knows where it is now? Where do you reckon it would be now if we were sitting? <laughs> well, the, not that I'm a real punter, but if I was a, yeah. if you're a bookmaker, like what well, okay, would be so the favourite? Here are, the favourite would be the bins at the <laughs> Brisbane Convention and Exhibition Centre. And I did almost want to do a scope of the bins afterwards to check if the it found itself Dom there. Rummaging through bins. <laughs> So that that'd be the favourite. I reckon there's a chance it's still in the suit um, pocket. Yep. He would have just put the suit back yeah. up when he got home, yep. Yep. and uh, and it's still he'll find that one day and go, "What's the raw deal medal? <laughs> yeah, no, What's this? next year's preseason event or something?" <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I mean, it could be it could be in the car. Maybe you got it out, put it in the car somewhere. The other option is it's in the trophy cabinet, you know, at yep. the property in New South <laughs> Wales, and and uh, he took it home to his family and That's teared somewhere up. around the hundred to one odds. I'd, Probably. I'd, what do you think the odds are that he's called the, the Danaher family about it and said, look, guys, <laughs> look what I want? I reckon that's pretty high. <laughs> yeah. 
if it was a hundred to one that there is in a trophy cabinet, that'd be even longer. Yeah. Odds, I'd say <laughs> five hundred to one. I, I love the idea though that it is maybe just sitting in a suit jacket somewhere so in a pocket, I. and that he'll just stumble upon it for the next big event. Maybe it is the the sponsors or the they do the sponsor season launch each year. Maybe he'll just put the suit on that night and go, "What is this?" <laughs> Absolutely I, no I memory. I look forward to you asking him next time you see him where his medal is. <laughs> Uh, so that was a wonderful moment um, there. Now uh, let's jump straight into um, off-season movement, Mike, because that's the the big story. And in fact, as we sit here on Monday uh, late afternoon, Tom Duday is officially a Brisbane Lion that has gone through as a free agent. Adelaide getting, I think it was pick nineteen in compensation, which uh, I think both clubs would be pretty happy. The Lions pay nothing, and the Crows get something a lot better mm. than they they probably would have for him. Um, what what are your thoughts on the Tom Duday acquisition? Oh, he's a very good fit. Uh, he's obviously highly respected at Adelaide for a long time. Sounds like a great bloke, but of course you want a great bloke, but you want a great player, right? So mm. we know he's coming back from a ruptured ACL and he's likely to come back middle of next season. So he'll, he'll be in rehab uh, during the preseason and the early part of next season. But he seems to – I mean, you, cannot, you can never have too many good players, can you? So mm. it looks like – uh, all being fit, Harris Andrews, Jack Payne, and Tom Duday looks like a fantastic backline. Yep. Here I am riding off Darcy Gardner and Ryan Lester. Yes. Probably, probably, I wouldn't say they like that, but they're comfortable with that because they just keep showing people wrong every year. Mm. Uh, Froggy Lester's been doing it for forever, and and Darcy Gardner honestly showed us in the last fortnight of the season how much good footy he's probably still got left in him so maybe i'm jumping the gun a little bit there but that would seem to be the backline mix they're going for now i don't know where that leaves um dizzy and froggy longer term but yeah. um but dude is a terrific interceptor can play a little bit like gardner can play taller and smaller uh i mean he, yeah he can't have too many high quality players and he fits that mold. How do you think? I don't think it's their absolute area of need, though. I would, I would say. Mm. Look, it's an interesting one. I mean, uh, my my first thought generally when you know you you acquire a new player is I like to find someone in my life who supports that team yep. and see how mad they are about the loss. And uh, the deputy principal at the school I work at, um, his name is Mark, and I went up to Mark. Uh, this is probably a month or two ago when word that that Duday might be coming to Brisbane mm. started filtering around. And I, he hadn't heard it. And I said, he's a diehard Crows man. And I said, um, apparently we might be getting Tom Duday. And he looked at me and he said, you're not, are you? And I said, that's that's the word. And he said, he was genuinely gutted. He's a good footballer. Oh, well, he's not good football. That's underselling him. Well, this is what the this Crows fan said to me, Mark said to me. He said, genuinely, he'd be in the top five players that I would want to keep at the club. He yep. he organises the whole back line and he is the, the real the heartbeat of our back line. I was going to say, Dom, not not just his playing ability, but he was 12 months ago, he was touted as a, as a potential captain. Yes. Yeah, not potential likely. No, no, likely, yeah. yeah. It was Jordan yeah. Dawson sort of – I mean, that looks like a great decision now. He had a yes. fantastic season, Jordan Dawson, but Tom Duday was many people's yeah. choice or selection as Adelaide's uh, next skipper and – so he's obviously held in super high regard at the Crows, and so that's a great get for Brisbane. You, yeah, you, you have too many leaders, well, that's for sure. Here's what I like about it. Um, you know, obviously so much scoring comes from rebound these days in yep. footy, and as great as Froggy and Dizzy are, they're, they're the more dour defenders, probably not the ones who are going to immediately intercept and kick off your yep. next scoring chain. 
I think that's who Duda is. I think that's what Jack Payne did at his best this year. I think Harris does it as well, obviously. So I think ideally it gives Brisbane's defensive um, group more punch back a little bit. Yep. Um, but I, I totally agree with you. I mean, whoever it is who gets that spot alongside Harris and Jack, assuming things go as we're expecting it, you know, if it is Dizzy or Froggy at the start of next season, um, I, I can 100% see a scenario where, you know, Dude struggles to get straight yeah. into the team and maybe doesn't yep. get in because it would be so close to finals at that stage. And if that back well, you're three halfway is through. killing it. You're yeah. halfway through the season. So. Yes. Well, they said 15 or 16, I think, was, yeah, was after what Danny the Yeah, maybe work, around so. the bye. So, look, if Leicester's been in the side all year and is dominating, they're, they're not going to – you know, they've shown this year they're not going to change things up there. So, um, either Dizzy or Froggy will get their chance to make it their spot again. But uh, but it's an exciting prospect at any rate. One weird question for you. Um, it does mean if things go as expected – that going into the final series next year, the Lions, we're assuming we make it, we're, we're going to have two players relatively fresh off ACL recoveries yep. in Tom Duday and Will Ashcroft um, likely in, in the best team. Now, if we look recently at the club at Hippie and, and Cam, they both took pretty much a year of full footy post-knee reconstruction to get back to their best form. Is that a little bit concerning to you that at the moment the Lions' best 22-23 heading into finals next year will include likely two players who are in the first couple of months post-knee Rico or post-returning uh, to knee Not Rico? really. I mean, I guess on paper you could say that, but every player comes back differently. I watched Ben King this year come back and he only really got tired late in the season. He started his first two or three weeks were a little bit rusty, but he was rolling by the middle of the season, two or three months in, and he's a big, big guy. And I would have thought that he might struggle a bit more than an Ashcroft or a Dude who's not quite – Ben King's 200 centimetres, 100 kilos, big boy, and came back to what I thought was about his, as good a form as you could hope for by six or eight weeks into the season. So those – presuming everything is equal between now and when Ashcroft and Duday come back. They're both expected around the middle of the season. You can give or take a few weeks, but that gives them somewhere around seven to 12 matches of senior footy before they hit finals. So I think you'll have a good indication by then, mm. um, and they should have enough footy under their belt by then. Players come back in now with a lot of – you can never replicate what happens on an AFL field but they get pretty damn close to it. They'll be in main sessions for many, many weeks before they run out onto an AFL field. So, no, it doesn't particularly concern me. And I guess we don't know a heap about Dude yet in this regard outside of the word but that, that we've heard, but um, you would think what we know about Will Ashcroft is it will be probably the most diligently done rehab yeah. of all time. Um, yeah. If they gave awards out for the person who's done the – rehab the best, I dare say Will might break those awards. Yep. So uh, you can be sure he will be doing absolutely everything to be to be out there when yeah, the siren I'm goes just, next I, year. Sorry, I was just thinking about some other – I just think of Gold Coast players because they're the other ones that I'm close to. Mm. Lockie Weller, poor old bloody Lockie Weller, um, you know, done it again. But he his first eight – he played eight or nine matches this season after coming off an ACL. He was in terrific form sure. very quickly. And he's a – He's a quite a dynamic player. Uh, he's got good agility, great speed. So I tend to think those, the smaller type players, you'd think come back fine. I don't know, but there's plenty of examples out there of guys that bounce back quickly, although Hippie and Cam did take a little bit of time. Uh, next big talking point with player movement was um, Thursday's, I think it's fair to call surprising news, uh, that Dev Robertson was sticking around at the club. Now, 
Um, if you'd said two, three months ago, both Dev Robertson and Kyle Oman would resign, that that seemed long odds back then. You hoped we might be able to keep one of them. But this is an enormous endorsement um, of where the club's at, that they've both decided to stick around. And uh, I don't think I'm speaking out of school by saying that um, many at the club were of the belief that Dev was not going to do that. The, certainly, if you if you had to guess which way it was leaning, from the few people I chatted to Wednesday night at the Best and Best, even at that stage, it was probably leaning to him going. Oh, not probably. I think it was leaning to to him going. And then Thursday, he wakes up, has a clearly a, a sense of of clarity in his decision making, and and off we go. He, he's sticking around, assuming it happened then. I mean, it's hard to know the timings, but exactly, yeah. But it is a. It's. I mean, it's. I think it's brilliant news for the club to have Dev sticking around and and to have someone on the list that hungry and determined to fight for their spot. That can only do good things. Totally. It's and. It- goes to show why we sometimes can't speak in absolutes, can we? Because yeah, things yeah. do change a lot. And yes. who knows how the grand final made him feel or the post the grand final. And we've said all along, it's such a hard decision for him. You've got Brisbane, terrific club in a great position at the moment where he's really a fringe player or he's got West Coast where he's likely, maybe they did guarantee it, maybe they didn't, I don't know, but you're likely to be playing every week. As a in, a, in a West Coast midfield, yeah, uh, a longer contract, a bit more security, significantly that, more money. Back supposedly. home, like that's a that's yeah. a tough decision. Do I go to the weaker club that's back home for more money and more opportunity, or do I stay mm. with the stronger club, little you know, a little bit less money, a little bit less contract in terms of duration? So, what would you have done? Decision for what would it. you have done? It's hard. I genuinely think it's hard to know unless you're in that position. Yeah. I still think so. If I'm Dev and I'm thinking. I want to stay at Brisbane because I'm on the fringe. Maybe I think that Will Ashcroft's out for the first 10 weeks and I'm going to mm. do what what Gardner and Leshley are going to do with Duday. I'm going to get that spot and I'm going to make it impossible for them to drop me. Yep. Dane Zorko is still in a bit of limbo. Uh, who, know, you know, who knows how all these moving parts are going to flush out come round one next year, but Dev's thinking, right, if I'm Dev and I'm thinking, right, I'm going to make a spot my own. Yeah. What's the worst case scenario? He gets two years at Brisbane – uh, you know what? I still think West Coast is going to be rebuilding in two years. Yeah. And if Dev's still in and out of Brisbane's team and wants to move back home, I still reckon there'll be an offer for him there in two years. Who knows? But that's I reckon that would be in the back of his mind. Mm. The worst case scenario, he's in the same position in two years and he's still probably got a chance to go back home. Well, and it's interesting you say that. Worst case scenarios is how I generally make big decisions like this in my life. Mm. I imagine – you know, what the, the worst case is of how I'd feel. And I think if Dev doesn't get a lot of senior time next year, he could trade get could trade it in the next year, yep, right? That's so true. And so the worst case scenario for him is it's a year later and he's just a bit frustrated, a yep. little bit of frustration. The worst case scenario the other way around is that he plays in a three-win West Coast season yep. and sees all his teammates holding up the Premiership Cup next year. And, uh, you know. And you can't get out of it then. And you can't. And, and then maybe let's say West Coast don't do it in his career and then he's in his mid-50s and he knows, you know, I, I could have had a chance to do that. I would have been a part of that. And you can't, there's nothing you can ever do about it. You can't get it back. And sometimes the other thing that happens with those rebuilding clubs like West Coast, so Dev's young. Dev's mm. 22, I think, without looking it up, but he's four years in, so he'd be about 22. Yeah. Um, You know, he, he spends three years there. They play that they win four, six, ten games or whatever, 
Ruben Jinby goes past him, Elijah Hewitt goes past him, they draft in Harley Reid or someone else, who knows what will happen. All of a sudden, Dev's 25, they're starting to become good, and those sort of players can, as we saw at Brisbane, yeah, yeah. those players can be moved on from, whether it's a Ben Keys or a Tom Cutler or those guys where you think Nick Robertson, these guys where they've, they've helped the rebuild, but we don't really see them taking us to the next level, so out they go, so... Yeah, um, I, I just think in life you have to strike with the iron's hot. And yeah. I, I think- I, I love me, it. It's fair. Yeah. And you're right. So yeah. Sorry to cut you off, mate. But the point about Loman and Robertson is spot on. Yes. Like yeah. two guys that had a right and great opportunities to go elsewhere to stick around when there is clearly no guarantee they're going to play senior well, footy next year. is incredible he, endorsement. My bold call here in October 2023, Mike, is they'll both be premiership players this time next year. That's. I think they're both going to work their way into the team. I think the attitude to stick around is is proof of what we're going to see from these two. And I think we are going to hold up the cup next year and they're both going to be a part of it. So um, don't ask me who Kyle Lohman comes in for yet <laughs> or Dev Robertson when we lash cross back. I don't know. I haven't got to that part yet. I'll do that over the summer. But I, I think I don't know if they're both going to be there round one. I think Dev will be. I'm less sure about Kai. But I'm pretty sure by the time we get to – to grand final day next year. They're both going to be premiership players for the club. Can't wait to see how Dev tries to get better Yeah, because there's yeah. clear deficiencies in his game. There's some amazing strengths in his game too. Mm. And we saw some of them on grand final day. He, yep. He's ferocious around the ball. So mm. we know what he can do and we know there's one or two things holding him back. So I can't wait to see how his hunger to stay at the club and to want to get a spot translates into how he trains and what he does in his preseason. Yeah, definitely agree with you on that. Uh, now, uh, just after Dev Robertson re-signed, maybe two hours later, it was announced that Nick Coffield from the Saints had requested a trade to the Bulldogs. Mm. The lines had been linked to him. Uh, I might be connecting dots here, Mike, but do you think there's a chance that maybe if Dev left, Nick Coffield was sort of this backup option and the moment Dev re-signed, um, they said to Nick, sorry, mate, we're, we're having Dev because list spots are pretty tight at the club. And Nick decided, I'll go to the dogs instead then. Do you think there could be something in that? Potentially. I don't know. Um, that's that's fair to draw those, join those dots. But, yeah, I don't know. Okay. I, I, I don't have a firm answer there for you, mate. Mate, I, I'm pretty Can't good. Can't put myself into Nick Coffield's head. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty good at joining dots in trade period. Yeah. It's, it's a... <laughs> Big it's your, passion of mine. It's your time to shine, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say this. You, you don't realise when you're a successful team like this. I mean, we got it last year, but trade and draft does drop off quickly. Um, yep. It's There's really – this is going to be one of the quietest off-seasons I think we're ever going to have as Lions fans in terms of um, player movement, especially now that everyone's basically staying. Um, mm. It's going to make things very unusual. I mean, next year sounds like a pretty thrilling draft crop, um, obviously led by Levi Ashcroft. So – I uh, can't wait to be back. Uh, I am actually going to New Zealand next winter is the plan, so I can't wait to be back watching the under-18s footage again and watching Levi. Well, I'm in a place like Wanaka, the most yeah. beautiful part of the world, and I'm in the apartment watching, you know, junior football, seeing <laughs> Levi Ashcroft, but that'll be a lot of fun to watch that next year. Um, a couple other points. Tom Fullerton has requested a trade to the Demons. The the Lions briefly looked at Marby or Chol. Um, it seems like he's obviously going elsewhere now. I don't know if he has yet by the time we're recording or this drops or not, but... Um, do you think the, the club might need some tall insurance with, with Tom gone? Yeah, I reckon so. That's the area of the list. Do, do you agree? Like yes. it's the area of the list that looks thin. So and let, I, I yep. get why Tom wants to go. Yep. Because yep. he's like Dev Robertson, isn't he? Yes. In terms of there's no guarantee. But without, did, without the games Didn't this play year. any games yeah. this year. Yes. Uh, and two tall forwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Become a thing. Yeah. So 
no looks for Tom Fullerton this year. It makes sense for him to go elsewhere and see yeah. if he can get a spot on another list, probably get another, you know, an extra couple of years of contract. So it makes sense for him. It does leave Brisbane really thin. Mm. It does feel like it's it does feel like there's a Hipwood or Danaher injury away from uh oh. Yeah. Yep. There's big trouble here. I mean, they, the club seem – obviously, Jack Gunston's there yep. and Darcy Fort's there, and they do seem to rate Henry Smith really highly yep. as a prospect. But you're right. I mean, if it's a grand final and suddenly Henry Smith's coming in for Joe yeah. Danaher, yep. you think and he's, he's played And he's okay. played three games during the year because yeah. of whatever. He's got a handful of games under his belt. But you think, yeah, I don't know. That's tough. And the and Marby Orchol, you're right. Like, his name was linked. I don't know how much interest there was. A little bit, I would say. But um, – I'm look. I wouldn't say I'm not a Marbio. Marbio's got some deficiencies in his game, which would concern me. So, so I don't. Who do you like? What would you What would you do if you were Dom Ambrosio? Because I know he listens every now and then to the Royal Deal, Mike. Well, so let's. Well, he's. I don't know if he. I haven't. I haven't had a spiel on Marbio Chol, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm not dis. If I'm a Brisbane fan, I wouldn't be super disappointed that they didn't go hard for Marbio Chol. I'll say right. that. I think he's. Um, he's oh, Marbio's got so much talent. He's so athletic. He's got an amazing leap. I just think he could work a bit harder. Yeah, a lot. He had a very good season for Gold Coast in 2022. His first year at the Suns, kicked 40 odd goals. Uh, got a lot of those goals out the back. I reckon he's like a he's like a uh, how do I word this nicely? He's like a, a lesser version of a much lesser version of Eric Hipwood. He's not okay. your power forward who's going to run up. Sure, but Hippie's a guy that will run up to the wings and link play and kick it long. Marbior doesn't like working outside of the phone box. Yeah, okay. <laughs> if it's not near him, he's not going looking for it. So, uh, if I was a Brisbane fan, I know I saw a few people on social media saying, "Why aren't Brisbane going harder for Chol? Why aren't they do?" I, I wouldn't be super disappointed. I think he's got a. He's, if his work ethic could match his ability, his physical ability, he'd be a hell of a player, but he hasn't shown that yet. And maybe the penny will drop for him at the Hawks. Maybe it um, will. And they've got a serious player if it does. But yep. with him off the table, what would you do if you're Dom Ambrosio? Because, I mean, well, the who's, who's out there, Dom? Well, I, honestly, what I'd do is probably Wiley Buzzer, uh, put him on the rookie well, that's list. Well, a, that's a, that'd be a good option. Uh, he, I, did, I did see that pop up. He's a mature key forward yep. now. He had a great season in the VFL. He's he's proven that he's he's worth the yep. shot. And, and I actually think if it was a big game- That'd make sense. You had to bring Wiley Buzzer in, you'd feel relatively okay about yep. that. So he'd be my answer, put him on the on the rookie list probably, and then you know you've got him there if you need him. I and think I, that's the wise move. And I think he's earned the shot too. Yep. Like, you know, since he's come to the club, he's really worked his butt off to get another chance yep. here. And, and I think he's he's thoroughly deserved it. So that would be my sense looking at the names out there that that, that would just be a good fit for, for him. But I would be a little bit concerned to head into a new season without one more key forward option in there, I think. Especially because we don't know still – like. The two tall forwards thing happened this year. Is that going to continue into next year? Mm. Is Joe Danaher going to be able to be a backup ruck for the rest of his career? Or yeah. is there a lifespan on that as a possibility before, you know, it might even shorten his career a little bit in the end? There's a lot of questions up in the air. Where does Jack Gunston fit in all of this? What about Darcy Ford? Like there are a lot of questions here. It wouldn't shock me at all if over the summer they revert back to a three tall forward setup. Um, not even remotely. Or, or you know, moving to, to someone else rucking instead of Joe and – wouldn't shock me, Mike. Would it, it, would it, it surprise you? It wouldn't surprise me. It it would disappoint me though. I, I yeah. really think they've 
they didn't. Maybe they did. Do they stumble onto it, or whether they stumbled onto it, or whether they decided this is the way we've got to go? They kind of stumbled onto it with the Gunston injury. But I think we pressured them into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You said Dom Ambrogio <laughs> might listen sometimes. Do you reckon he sort of? Fast as a word. Hey, Danny Daly and Fakes. <laughs> yeah. Got a little nugget here for you guys. Well, actually, the rumor was that Jack Gunston heard our episode uh, after the Hawthorne game, and after listening to us, decided to stand himself yeah. down. So. That's that's what I've heard, and and Gunners, if you are listening, it was noble of you. So well yep. done, mate. well done. <laughs> I, I think so. Whether they stumbled onto it or decided that was the option, I think that was a. I wouldn't say a big reason. It was certainly part of the reason why Brisbane kicked on late in the season. I just love that setup. Yeah, I, I know agree. we've harped on about it for so many weeks, but mm. two talls, Cam Rayner as your third, um, and then a bunch of smalls. I, I love that setup. So whether the two talls are Joe, Eric, and Jack, you can pick two out of those three. Well, you can pick one out of Eric and Jack because Joe's the raw deal medalist, so he's never getting, <laughs> he's never out of the team. But yep. uh, yeah, it's two for me, and that's it. So, but yeah, I the think they're just, they're just one thin, one tall forward thin, I reckon, in terms of depth. And you want someone like you said, like yeah. whether it's Wildly Buzzer or someone mature. You need yep. someone mature, a mature body. I, I want to talk about the ruck thing a bit more over the summer, though, because as much as it's helped bring Joe into the game, I, I don't think it can continue long term, probably. Um, I mean, one could say, why not? His body's held up. He's doing fine there. But I I just think we're going to need to find a, someone else to take those backup ruck minutes that isn't, that isn't Joe going forward. And I mean, this just is- occasionally, or maybe we flesh this out over though, because yep. I am a bit of a why not man. But yeah, maybe, and I maybe hear we that. can hash this out. I actually would love to see this is a right out of the blue. I've never mentioned this before, but I'd love to see Hippie trialed a little bit in the ruck okay. because I think he's someone who maybe it could help him to get a bit more involved mm. in games as well. He's got long reach, he's got a good jump. And, uh, and I'd just be, i love to see that. It's the sort of thing to try over a summer, over a yep. preseason. So just flag that one now and we'll, yep. we'll come back to that. I mean, we're going to have a lot of episodes to talk we about are. all of this, Mike. So uh, we'll, we'll look forward to all of that. Uh, no news just yet on Dane Zorko. You're pretty confident he'll no. stick around. That'll be fine. I think so, yeah. Yep. And I think it's still, as we're recording now on Monday, that we haven't heard news about the other out-of-contract players. Um, nope. So we'll wait and see what happens there with with recontracting. Not many left like now, this, though. But no, but it's a it is a really tight um, list mm. spot uh, situation at the moment. So there's going to be some hard work there. Um, before we wrap things up today, Mike, um, and I am aware, by the way, that for those who aren't as into the off season for the men's as we are, um, you know, and maybe don't have an active involvement in the investment in the women's season just yet that we might shed a couple of thousand listeners for the next few months. There'll be some who are bandwagoners and that's fine. Some people who just follow the men's footy when it's on and then tap out. And we'll see you guys again back in March. We can't wait to have you rejoin us. February, because you got to hear the ruck chat. Oh, well, that's <laughs> <laughs> And all our predictions, obviously, and the live podcast with Chris Fagan, if yeah. people want us to do that one. Um, but for everyone else, this is the real diehard stuff for the next couple of months for the men. And then obviously writing the, what would feel a bit like an underdog story for the women, mm. if they can pull it off. Um, but we got to focus, Mike, on the, uh, the coaching situation, because Brisbane's off-field setup has been pretty consistent for a number of years now, pretty much since David Noble left and yep. Danny Daly jumped in and, and then Mark Stone came to replace him. Apart from that, there hasn't really been a notable – a Dale Tapping's departure is probably worth mentioning, but apart Cam from that – Bruce in for that. For, yeah. For taps. Yeah. But there hasn't really been a notable shake-up of an off-season, off-field you know, off for the club since Chris Fagan joined the yeah. Lions. So at the moment, we know that Jed Adcock has departed the club. He's gone to North Melbourne. And the word that's just come out today is that Mark Stone, the strategy coach, is leaving too. Um, 
where does this leave Brisbane? What, what do you think is going to happen from here? So there are two coaches down, obviously. And what I did here, a couple of the- – or one theory in particular that sort of got floated to me at the best and fairest last Wednesday actually was that they might only bring in one coach to replace two. Okay. Uh, so maybe it's a, and I know there's a couple of names that have been floated in the media today, which we can chat about, which mm. which might make some sense. But one more senior coach, and then what that would allow, um, what that would allow to happen around the rest of the coaching department is a little bump in pay for the rest of those coaches who have yeah, been okay. who have really suffered post COVID. They all had to take a pay cut, and while the players have been the focus of a lot of uh, pay disputes and CBA and whatnot. The coaches have been flailing away for years since COVID, un- underpaid in terms of what they were getting prior to COVID. So that's one theory I heard. Now, I don't know. Now, no one from the club has come to me and said, yep, we're going to go in one coach less next year and we're just going to shuffle the responsibilities. Maybe a development coach comes to a line coach or they can shuffle things around. But that is one theory I heard and it kind of makes sense to me. Okay. I mean, we have seen the soft cap increased a little bit. Yep, a little um, bit, but not not a lot. Okay, Certainly sure. nowhere near back to where it was pre-COVID. It, I mean, it's an interesting one to come so close to winning a flag and then, you know, uh, potentially lose a resource a little bit rather than gain one. Um, it, it's so hard from an outside point of view to be able to actually measure how much of an yeah, impact it, that, it would, that would yep, be. But yep. um, your sense is that that wouldn't be a big drama? I don't think so. No, you've got um, – you know, maybe some of the development coaches take a little bit of a step up in responsibility or maybe a Dale Morris does a bit more work uh, in terms of like a line coaching or something. I don't know. Like this is just mm. – this is purely – this is not reporting. This is educated guessing and speculating to some extent. But – and you're right. Like we don't know. Unless you're in there every day, you don't know how much influence the nuts and bolts of coaching has on every single player. But – I don't mind that. I mean, that's great for Jed to go and get another experience. I think Danny Daly actually said it on probably mm. on Trade Radio last week. It is great for Jed to go and get another experience. He's trying to develop himself. Why wouldn't you go elsewhere and look? And he's lived in Melbourne before when he went to the Western Bulldogs for a couple of years. He's heading back there now to be with North Melbourne. So that's great for him. And obviously the club decided that uh, between Mark Stone and the club, they decided to to go their separate ways. So I don't think it's a bad thing. So that. We'll see who they end up with, but they come up with some fresh ideas. That can't be a bad thing, right? No, I, I think it's probably. I helpful. think it's a great and, thing. Yeah. I mean, the, the couple of names that have been bandied about by Sam Edmund today are uh, Stuart Jew and Scott Selwood. Um, obviously, Dewey, who's just come from the Suns and the Swans before that, and I think Scott Selwood has been at, the, at Collingwood as one of mm. their midfield coaches. So, both highly credentialed people, yep. and um, and obviously been bringing, at successful clubs. Yeah, well, bringing Scott to the Lions would be the second Selwood we'd yep. had. So, getting closer to the full set involved with the footy club, um, both of those would be pretty high-profile appointees, and you could imagine, um, you know, the Lions would be a club you'd want to join at the moment. You've had a lot to do with Dewey, obviously, mm. um, while he's been at the Suns. Do you reckon he'd be a good fit at the Lions culture? Would that be a bit weird for you after years of covering him at the Suns to suddenly rock up and see it him at a Lions be. polo? I was trying to think earlier on. Has it? There hasn't. There's obviously been a few players that have moved. There's still a couple, couple in Brisbane's grand final team with with mm. our man Cal Archie and and Jared Lyons as well. Yes, so, yeah. and we know there was a few early days with Brennan and Riscatelli mm. going from Brisbane to Gold Coast, going the other way. So there's been a few players, but I can't think of. I haven't given it a lot of thought, but I don't think it's been too much off field staff no. switching clubs. There's so. been some people like Andrew Raines or yep. Josh Drummond with the Lions affiliation who've ended up at the Suns, but not. I don't think staff at all. No, so 
I mean, I, I mean, personally, I'd love to see Dewey come to Brisbane because I'd I'd love to see Dewey get another gig, basically. Yeah. So he's got a he's got some he's got kids and he's got a wife who's got a job on the Gold Coast. So I think, I mean, I don't know. I, I hand on heart haven't I, I've exchanged a couple of messages with Dewey since he got sacked in July, and that's that was a couple of months ago now. So. Mm. I've got no idea what he's thinking, but I imagine from a family perspective, it would be ideal for them to stay in Queensland. He's They've obviously lived in Sydney before, so potentially that would be another option. He's from Adelaide. So there's options all around the country for Dewey, but uh, I think he's a, certainly when he was at Sydney, a lot of people at Sydney said that he had a major influence in John Longmire's staff tactically. Uh, and then it's obviously a different kettle of fish when you go to take the head job, which he you know, the senior coaching job that he just had at Gold Coast for six years. So uh, it would be weird to see him there, but I think he's a, he's an intelligent guy. Mm. Um, I don't know how he'd fit in with – Chris Fagan's had an association with him, obviously. Uh, he's a smart guy, Dewey, so I think if Brisbane could get him, that would work fine. Scott Selwood I don't know as much about personally, but clearly he's an intelligent operator, right? <laughs> You're mm. not getting the resume he's got without um, being pretty switched on. So – one of those senior guys that has experience at a number of clubs to bring some fresh ideas into Brisbane could can only be a good thing. Would it be the first person, I think it might be the, the first person who was involved in the uh, 2004 Port Adelaide Grand Final team to then join oh, the Lions? good question. I'm just having a quick look through good here question. and I don't think any of them in an on or off field role ever did join the club. So Great question. It'll be uh, the, the first time for the 20-year yeah. anniversary of 2004 <laughs> To have Dewey join us to uh, to go and win a flag. Dewey heading back for the 20-year reunion. <laughs> <laughs> Could be something in there. Uh, we'll wait and see what does unfold um, on that front. I mean, there's a lot of good footy people around the club and obviously, as always, people will say, get Hodgie a job, but I think he's pretty happy in his lifestyle. Yeah, I think he's his lifestyle. <laughs> don't think he wants to be coding smother uh, defensive pressure acts and things <laughs> like that at all. <laughs> I think he's doing okay. So, We'll wait and see on that front. Obviously, you'd expect the, those appointments, whatever does happen, will happen in the next probably couple of weeks yeah. um, because they'd want all of that set up for the, the preseason to commence. You know, do you, when is the preseason commencing? Do we know that yet? Because oh, normally when you're playing the grand final, it's a little bit later. Yeah, the senior players will be likely be back in the first week of December. Sure. Because they'd like to, regardless, that they'd like they'll get in. They'll probably get two weeks in before the Christmas break, and then they'll take three weeks off again. So mm. maybe those senior players might get a little, another week or two post Christmas that the that the younger guys won't get because they've gone yep. so far into this season. So okay. yeah, they're still they'll, they'll they'll come back. I think it's the first week of December. Uh, one more off field question, Mike: Is Danny Daly definitely sticking at the club? Well, look, he, he was asked directly when he spoke on Trade Radio last week, and he mm. said yes. Okay. All right. It's an interesting so I'll one. Take, I'll take him at his word. Yeah. If he did leave, who? Oh. any thoughts on a, a GM of footy? I mean, that, that'd that be such a complex one, wouldn't it? Because I was thinking be. about this, and, like, there's a lot of coaches maybe around, but there's not many GMs of footy. No, nah, I around. did. No, nah, there's not. There's not. Uh, someone did say to me last week as I – was throwing this around to various people. What if what if Danny Daly left? What would happen? Mm. Someone said to me, I'll put, I'll put it out there into the universe. You know, that's what we do, right? Yeah, Someone said to me, you reckon Murray Davis could do it? Hmm. There's an interesting idea. So I don't know. It would be similar to, to yeah. Danny's path in some ways, wouldn't it? Yeah. Not, not exactly the same. It's not like for like, but 
could, could that happen? I don't know. We're, we are really jumping down a rabbit hole here. <laughs> if Danny goes, what happens? Danny said he's staying. So yeah. I take Danny at his word. So, so do I. He said he's staying. So we'll wait. Well, just, well that's one to monitor. Just keep an eye. I, I don't think – has Damien Harbour announced his whole setup just yet or, or do we know who the Suns' whole setup is? Well, we th- well we think we do, but you never okay. know when they're going to stop, do you? True. How True. many how many pieces does he want to keep adding? So Yeah. All right, we'll monitor that one. Uh, I mean, look, I'm still very much on the bandwagon to get David Noble back to the club, but I don't think he's coming back in that role. No. <laughs> if he comes back, I think it'll be a CEO one day, most likely. Um, and, and, you know, I think we certainly on this podcast we hold a lot of fondness for Nodes. So mm. we'll wait and see what might happen there. Um, interesting, though. I mean, some fresh voices, as you said, some movement going on there and, and can't wait to see what the uh, – what the It's great. Bring some new life. ideas in. Yep. No, totally, yep. totally agree with you. A uh, couple of quick ones before we wrap up, Mike. The podcast will now be back in your feed at the usual slot, um, you know, every every Monday night for Patreon supporters and Tuesday afternoon for No more emergency else. pods? Well, you wouldn't think so. Unless, you um, know, like a – I'll just – like unless it was a Clayton Oliver situation from yes. last week yep. and bang, he rocks up at the Lions. <laughs> Marcus Bontempelli requests a trade to the club. But you know what? We might do an emergency pod We might pod do there. an emergency that, pod, That yep. one may just happen. Uh, we'll wait and see. But Jeremy Cameron wants a little <laughs> summer change to Brisbane or something. Well, wants to win another flag. Yeah. So he doesn't see it happening at Geelong. The, the, oh, you know what? I'll, I'll, There's that key forward they're looking for. <laughs> I'll renege on two tall forwards if Jeremy Cameron joins yeah. us. I'll do three for him. I'm happy to make that one fit somehow. Um, but we are going to be here all the way through till early December. A bunch of episodes we're looking at doing. We want to get um, somebody on for a deep dive on the academy we've mentioned. We've spoken about Dan Rich and a reflection on his career. And then I have a long list here, Mike, of our people. It'd be great to get on to, to chat some of the board members, some people who've covered the club. Um, I keep telling you I want to get Andrew Hamilton on, chat about his years <laughs> covering the lines at some point what's hamo up to these days do you know he's working at bond university there we go so okay. i'll uh, i haven't chatted to hamo for a little while so he, he he deserves a phone call from me actually that could be a possibility he deserves a phone call from me <laughs> <laughs> i i should call him is what i should have said uh justin clark is one we've wanted to get on for yeah, ages see if we can get get him on potentially maybe also marcus adams when he's ready to, to speak so Bunch of options there um, that we might look at doing and uh, and maybe even your mate Damian Barrett at some stage. I know he takes a long <laughs> off-season, I think, but it'd be great to get him on and talk about his days covering the you club. You reckon people here. have heard enough of Damo talking? <laughs> 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 no, I reckon that'd be great fun. Um, be, great. I have a note to talk about my Melbourne hoodoo. Uh, still haven't seen a win in Melbourne and I'm well aware people will not let me go to the grand final next year unless that's already broken. So I have a plan for that. We'll get to that more over the off season as well. Um, before we wrap up, Mike, uh, one quick question from Sammy. So uh, let's fire off the question music. And if you have any questions, this is the time of year for your weird and wonderful questions about Lions history, about the podcast, about me, about Mike. Tweet them through to us. Send them through in the Patreon group if you are one of our supporters. Uh, We'd love to get a bank of questions to just rattle through Mm. over the the coming months here. And if you've got a deep dive investigation on the Lions you'd like us to head up, just send it through. Because we, I mean, that seems to be how this thing works, Mike. We float things and then wonderful things follow. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll love to hear your questions. Sammy just says, hi, Dom and Mike. Thanks for a great grand final experience. And the podcast was just the tonic to finish off the weekend and help me process all that's happened. I have been avoiding a lot of other media, but I did find it quite odd that there was no outrage at the number of flights that were cancelled for Brisbane people. Um, different when it was Carlton and Melbourne people. This is our first grand final experience and it was so good to be a part of. 
the raw deal at the Royal Derby was the top of the experiences. And then Sammy goes on to say, however, after paying a lot of money for tickets and sitting in the blazing hot sun, I am all on board now for a Twilight Grand Final. Is there any way that fans can have any input into this? If the grand finals are only going to get hotter and hotter, uh, which is yeah, climate change, very yep. true, um, surely this has to be looked at or is the AFL uh, AFL just too big to fail on this and fans will literally have to cook their, uh, in their seats? Um, is there anything we can do, Mike, to try to get a twilight grand final? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, it's been this this debate's been going on for quite a while, hasn't it? Oh, it's Pro- all rinse it, and repeat. It, it is. <laughs> Every it'll probably, year. It'll probably get floated in the preseason. Yep. I'll uh, say this. I was always a traditionalist. Yep. Until I also sat in the sun on grand final day yeah. and thought, yeah, no. I mean, I actually think the um the five pm slot that the prelim against Carlton. Did, quite, you, did you like that? We knocked it quite significantly. Yeah. Great time slot. Yeah. Kick it off at five or five fifteen. I mainly knocked it because it was running into the Broncos game, well, so I didn't true. get to watch that. That's true. <laughs> but see, five fifteen, it still gives you the chance to celebrate into the night. It's not too late. Bit early, maybe even start, the four thirty. Yeah, four thirty could work. I mean, you get to – and what you do – how, how was the sun for you in the last quarter? Yeah, it was pretty fine by then. Yeah, it was, so it was pretty fine. about 4.30 to 4.45 by the time the last quarter started in Melbourne. So you get to do some sort of a pre-match in daylight and then halftime in, in the night time where you get, yep. you know, suddenly it makes sense that you have Kiss and Pyrotechnics. Yeah. Um, yep. I, I don't know. I, I'm a full-blown – not a night time but a Twilight Grand Final. Yeah, I'm I, a full-blown convert. I've come around to that too. Yeah. I was a bit like you. I was the traditionalist. No, yep. I just – Leave one thing the same. But now I'm like – and I get there'll be a lot of people listening to this saying, well, kids go into the footy and the game doesn't fin- – by the time the game finishes in the lap of honour, it's mm. probably, what, 8.30 or something, yeah. 9 o'clock, got to get kids. No, I'm sorry. Look- I, I, I'm, I'm fine for the twilight. Night game, yeah, okay, I can cop that. That does drag on. It goes late. It's not great for families and whatnot. But twilight's a great compromise, I reckon. I, I'm, yeah. I've come around to your way of thinking. And look, I'm not a, a parent. But if there's one night the kids can stay up a bit later, it's when your team's won a premiership. Yep. Let them stay up till 11 o'clock. I actually remember my dad when I was maybe seven or eight, let me stay up till uh, to midnight for New Year's Eve for the first time because his friend had an apartment in the city. And those memories are so special as a kid. Mm. I mean, maybe you don't want to do it for a Brisbane versus Frio game in the middle of the season. Yeah, maybe that's yeah, a bit yeah. of a stretch. Yep. But I think having uh, having the ability to do that for a premiership, surely that can't be a reason. So we'll wait and see what happens. I think Andrew Dillon will do it at some point in time. Um, probably still a few years off, though, I, I would hazard a guess. Oh, I think he will too. You know, uh, incoming CEOs yeah. love to – they've got to have legacy pieces. Yep. So yep. at the end of Andrew Dillon's 10 years and go, oh, he changed it to a Twilight Grand Final. <laughs> yes. <and laughs> yes, definitely. So, uh, look, as we wrap up, Mike, a couple of uh, comments on the a few additions to the Raw Deal studio. There is a massive whiteboard yep. there now where – we will monitor the uh, raw deal medal votes all through next season. So, so we'll your handwriting on there, Dom? It's, it's not great. I know. Mike. No, it's all right. No, it's no, a it's horrific no, handwriting. No, it's not horrific. I have the handwriting of our no, grade four not. student, Mike. It, thank you. You're kind to of me. It's <laughs> awful, but it does the job. It's Mate, functional. You're talking to a journalist. Journalists have got <laughs> shocking handwriting. <laughs> it's functional. That's what matters. Maybe what we need to do is get like a team whiteboard each week as well, so we can put in our preferred best twenty two. Oh yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. That could work. What's the sound? Move the magnets or something? Yes. <laughs> One of those really crappy sort yeah. of cliched sayings. Well, it's funny you talk about cliched sayings because this is the latest edition, Mike, and this I think will make our studio complete for the next season. I have made some bad mistakes in the last few months on the podcast. I've used some of the phrases that you've banned. I've picked you up on them though. You have, but so I don't make the mistake again. I have put together oh. <laughs> a poster for me. 
of Mike's banned footy cliches. I'm going to put it up on the wall right behind you. So every time I'm talking to you, I'm looking straight at it. These are the. This is on Twitter last year. I think. Yeah, you put I've, I've actually hate. been. I've, a couple of people have got in touch with me and said you should do an updated list. Oh, so. I, I can make a new poster. Okay. We can, currently, what the the ten year ban that you hate people using in footy are running on top of the ground. Gosh, that's that's going to be number one forever, I reckon. <laughs> Just doesn't make any sense. No. What does that even mean? Uh, one wood. I made the mistake of saying someone's one wood at one some point. <laughs> <laughs> but even, I just it, it shits me, Dom, because I know what people are trying to say, right? What's yeah. his strength? Yeah. But sometimes a golfer's best club is not their one wood. So yeah, why true. are we – Maybe it's their putter. <laughs> just, do you reckon Cam Smith's best – Talks mm. about his one wood. No, he talks about his putter. Anyway. You should start stupid. doing that. Stupid. You should say Cam Rainer's burst out of stoppage is his putter. That's his putter. Always yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, clean hands. That's his putter. <laughs> <laughs> the third one you have is a shot on goal, not shot at goal. Oh, it just grinds my gears. I just those know. little things grind me. Why am I reading these out? These are making you so angry. I'm no, only I'm three <laughs> in. The fourth is an underground handball. Uh <laughs> Which doesn't make any sense. Uh, gut running. Now, I know gut running has annoyed you for years. So Just, just hard running, guys. It's hard running. Uh, inside the four walls. Yep. <laughs> uh, We're just lazy with that one. Uh, this but, one's always annoyed me as well. Takes the ball at its highest point. Yep. <laughs> I think, in, uh, and honestly, in all yep. these instances, mm. we know how, they, how the saying has evolved to get to this point. Yep. We know take the ball at its highest point. We know that the... Mm. That whoever's saying, whoever's using that turn of phrase is trying to articulate that someone's marked the ball with outstretched arms high above their head, right? Yes. It's yes. as high as they can mark the ball. Yes. But it just makes no sense and it just becomes part of our vernacular. Yeah. Marking yeah. the ball at its highest point. Well, that's impossible. Unless oh, it's not impossible. Unless you're <laughs> – how tall? No, there was a, there was some of Daniel Rich's bullet passes. Maybe some of those. Yeah. <laughs> you might have marked it at size point. Uh, <laughs> impacts the scoreboard is another one. Up and about. Impacts the that. scoreboard. That's just kicking goals. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then obviously, finally, the, this is the, the mortal sin is learning. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, the sin there is that I've got it at number 10. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's the real sin. That's true. So, um, look, that that's will- my lesson, Dom. Yeah. That should be higher. <laughs> Well, I'll have that one up there, so I hopefully won't make the same mistakes. We should put the word <laughs> laconic on there as well after that Steve put that on our, on our agenda earlier this season. Tell you what, it's and, a hard um, top 10 to crack. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> but, I mean, hopefully now, Mike, just for the ongoing harmony of the, the raw deal relationship we've got going here, hopefully this means there's no more tension because I've seen a couple of times I drop them in and you give me like a little bit of a cheeky smile, which I can tell that you're seething behind it. That's how I know when I've done it because yeah. I can just tell that you, you're sort of like, do I say it? Do I say I'm it? I'm just waiting for the next pause to jump in. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, look, all of that is now taken care of. We won't be making those mistakes again. Uh, that is all we got time for on the podcast today. Uh, enjoy one of the quieter trade periods we've known for a very long time. No one's out there going... I think pick seven is overs for them. And you just see, it's like we get to have a holiday from it all this year, Mike. It's kind of lovely, isn't it? How Deep good. Yep. Yeah. Find a good show on Netflix. Focus read a book. On, yeah, have a look at the women's game on Saturday down Absolutely. at Heritage Bank. Brisbane and Gold Coast should be a ripper. I, I'm frothing. Can't wait for that. Massive Q clash. And we'll be back here next week to review it. Look if there's any other surprises in the trade period and start to look ahead to some of these big off-season episodes we've got planned as well. We'll catch you then on The Raw Deal.